Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, everyone. We are back for Worldview Wednesday. I hope you are doing well. Chelsea, how are you? I'm doing great. My Wordle score was not great this morning, though. So, uh, yes. You know what? New mercies tomorrow. Okay. Yes. So, that's... <laughs> new mercies tomorrow. Well, awesome. Well, today in Worldview Wednesday, we've got some excellent headlines that we have gathered for you. Some that your kids may have read, and um, maybe some that they haven't. Either way, we feel like they are relevant, hopefully in your parenting journey. So let's jump right in. Chelsea, you want to take the first one? Absolutely. Okay. So I pulled this one from um, Yahoo News. It, came, it, uh, it was on Tuesday, October, or October, oh my goodness, August 30th. Um, Southwest Airlines pilot reprimands passenger who airdropped news on board. I, I don't, I, I don't, I, this one like shocked me, but okay. Some people don't know how to act on a plane. And a Southwest Airlines pilot vocalized his displeasure with an unknown passenger on board a flight to Cabo. Not only was he annoyed, he threatened to injure, he threatened to turn the plane around and taxi back to the gate. Well, the In pilot, viral, the pilot, yeah, the pilot okay. did. Yeah. So it was like very um, parental here. Don't make me turn this plane around. Okay. Yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but this, this whole idea of airdropping nudes is actually not new. It's called cyber flashing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that this existed. So your your or your kids probably know what cyber flashing is. Um, and I doing a quick Google search. Um, a UK website called the Family Zone posted an article specifically about cyber flashing. And now this statistic is from the UK, and so it's a smaller representation of the population. But I thought it was significant. Um, in a recent survey by UK-based new, the news site, The Independent, found that 32% of girls said that they had received a photo of a penis that they did not want. And cyber experts exp- report that cyber flashing has surged massively during lockdown. <laughs> Which really makes me wonder about the kids that I know, like specifically mm-hmm. in my life. And honestly, it breaks my heart. You know, the level of perverseness is really high right now. When someone has the audacity to drop their pants in public, right? That like level has got to be like crazy high. Well, but because with technology, you can do it anywhere you want and no one else has to really quote unquote see it Mm -hmm. because you're like taking a picture of yourself. Everyone using tech experience, I I, I don't, everyone using tech, it's (laughs) like, it's, I'm so upset by this, Kelly. Like that's why I'm stumbling (laughs) right now because I am so upset that girls have to experience this. And they do. It is a real thing. They definitely know what it is. Um, I had heard, you know, you brought this uh, article up and I have heard about it. And um, praise God, I have personally never experienced this, but I know uh, many of the high school girls I work with. um, And you don't necessarily know whose, quote, picture of the penis, who you're receiving. It's usually, you know, you don't get a face with it. And so it could just be some random one that someone is sending, like they, you know, found on the internet or something and is pushing it out just to, just to get a reaction out of you, out of the right. girl. Um, 
yeah, so it it is. It's a crazy, crazy weird trend because, yeah, no one actually. But that's public indecency, right? You can just drop your pants right. in a public right. space, but no, right. yeah, with technology, right. yeah, this sort of privacy secrecy that we all have when the screens are just in front of our face, it's being exploited. Right. Well, and I mean, so right now you and I are both working on some other podcasts and I've realized that some of the statistics of the world match the statistics in the church. Like there's actually no real big mm-hmm. difference. So if, if it, it could be, it could be true of this as well, which really upsets me even more. And so I, you know, I pulled this from Ephesians five, as I was reading this, it really made me think about um, how many times Paul explicitly tells us, and it's a command, it's written in the imperative to flee from sexual immorality. But Ephesians 5, Paul says this, but among you, so he's talking to the church, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath has come to those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For once you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do, nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So this is what I want to say. This is where I want to encourage parents today. Because the statistics exist that some of the things going on in the church specifically sexual immorality, and I'm thinking about pornography, Mm -hmm. for instance, and the statistics in the world look exactly the same. This is where I want to encourage parents today. Check your kids' phones today. Mm -hmm. Paul goes on to say in that chapter to make the best use of our time, right? We only have a guaranteed amount of days on this earth. So today, the best use of your time would be to go and check their phone. And if you need help, I feel like we might know some people who can help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you bet. And just... <laughs> we need to make sure that those airdrop settings, I mean, if we can just say one thing, yeah. check your own phone, make sure that, yes. you know, if you have airdrop on, I personally don't allow the airdrop on my children's phones specifically for this reason. That is a feature that is just isn't allowed. Um, it's, it's a convenient feature. For uh, me as an adult, but I rarely, I rarely use it to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will maybe turn it on and allow it, and then turn it on to maybe my daughter's phone if we're like sharing pictures of the same event that maybe I took more pictures of and she wants them on her phone. I will use it maybe in those instances because it is kind of convenient. But there is generally no reason other yep. than convenience that this feature needs to be turned on. That's that's just right. the main reason. Um, and it, right. is, it is one of those features, for example, what well, AirDrop, I believe, is only an iPhone feature. Yeah, I don't I think so too. believe that that is Android at all. Um, so this is a feature. If you, all, if you have screen time turned on your child's phone, when you go to um, allowed apps, it's one that you can just have completely turned off. And it's not even, it just completely shuts it off. There's no option. And that's password protected. So the kids would never be able to kind of 
turn it back on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so when I, you know, hear this type of story, you know, I always think, okay, what, <laughs> what are we, what's missing? Like what truth is missing? Why is this happening? Because clearly someone has lost their way, right? I mean, so right now in my master's classes, I'm studying the Psalms and I, I just read yesterday, Psalm 53, and I, I thought this was, you know, we, this is where we have to recognize this is of the world. And Psalm 53 starts with, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Oh my gosh, that, they, that line always gets me, yeah. <laughs> always gets me. They are corrupt and their ways mm-hmm. are vile. Mm-hmm. There is no one who does good. God yep. looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand or any who seek God, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to be those people <laughs> that mm-hmm. we are, are seeking God, that, that we are not mm-hmm. the fools who are saying there is no God, right? We know that there is. Those of us, Christ followers, we look at this though and we say, oh, why is this happening? Well, it's because there are fools mm-hmm. out there that say there is no God and their ways are yeah. vile. Their ways are wicked yep. and corrupt. And this is just yep. the result of that. Um, yep. That's just, yep. that's that reality. And so while that is always going to be there, there, there's nothing new under the sun. This doesn't surprise God. This is the same stuff that's been going on for thousands of years mm-hmm. is the sinfulness of men takes over. So, but I also think that um, we have to realize that the truth is of our culture is that we have been uh, very, is this a word, pornified? Like, <laughs> it, It's so funny. It actually is. I was reading a book yesterday on biblical counseling and porn, and they use that word. So yeah, okay. someone pornified. else uses oh, okay. it. Um, yeah. You know, the objectification, <laughs> which is often violent, and humiliation of women in pornography yeah. convinces men that all women want to see pictures randomly dropped to their phone of their penises. Right. That, that's not, yeah. that is not the case. Yeah. Um, no. Secondly, I think of the people who are doing this on planes or in public spaces. Um, it's just so inherently selfish in nature. Yeah. Ultimately, right. This, this man in this instance is a man. Um, maybe it's not always a man who's airdropping nudes, you know, believes himself either so worthy of everyone's admiration or attention that his desires ultimately supersede what is publicly decent, responsible behavior? You know, one thing right. we, we call this narcissism, which I think is really an overused word um, in today's culture, um, or we just identify his behavior as selfish and maybe even neurotic. The reality is, is like so many have believed, there's so many lies from culture, and he's just believing so many of these lies that he can do what he wants when he wants, and I don't have to think about how it affects other people. That's, that's the definition of selfishness, right? I don't care what it is. And so we need to realize that there are a lot of people like that. We are not called Mm -hmm. to be like that as Christ followers, but there are a lot out there. So therefore we do need to warn our daughters and our sons, Mm -hmm. you know, about this because scripture has a lot to say about this, this foolish man whose ways Mm. are wicked and vile Mm. and evil. Mm. Yep. Get there's some proverbs in there. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, check your phones. Start checking your kids' phones. Turn off that airdrop. Yep. Totally not set. Before you go on your next flight, whether you're going to Cabo, which sounds mm-hmm. interesting. It's funny because everybody goes to Cabo for vacation. So it almost sounds like these were partiers. That's like my initial thought. But maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's yeah. just a, a quick judgment. But wherever you're going, maybe turn off airdrop. Probably not necessary. 
to have that on when you get on that plane. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me jump into my first headline here. This came from the Washington Post, August 31st, 2022. And the headline reads, self-harm posts are surging on Twitter despite breaking content rules. So the article says, quote, a Twitter user in apparent distress turned to the social media platform earlier this month to mull their next steps. Quote, might just let my razors win tonight. End quote. The user said in a tweet that racked up more than 1,500 likes, 20 comments, and 250 retweets. And they're saying this post is an example of what researchers at um, Rutgers University and a couple of places have seen is a dramatic rise in in recent months of tweets related to self-harm. The researchers are saying that they have detected in the Twitter community that there's increasing posting of graphic photos with new hashtags being used. They're revealing bodily self-injury practices. And the tweets are garnering unusually high engagement given the small number of followers for the accounts. So they're using hashtags such as hashtag SHTWT, which is short for self-harm Twitter. And that hashtag alone has increased 500%. Oh my goodness. Yes. So then they're also using um, hashtags... No, I don't have any other ones. I thought I had other ones listed. But they're using other terms such as cat scratches, even though they're not cat scratches. Um, Raspberry filling refers to blood. Um, Moots refers to mutually engaging in self-harm. So they've kind of got these new slang words that they're using all over Twitter. Uh, Okay. Is it like 2018 all over again? Because this is like the same headline that's still making news. I mean, this is, I know, I thought the same thing. This Twitter, like Twitter has been known for self harm since we started Brave Parenting in 2016, has been known for it. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every time I read a headline that spoke about social media's underlying problems, y'all, I would not Mm -hmm. be in a garage band. Okay. (laughs) Like, This is this is my adult garage band. Yeah, I may I, mean, I may not have to have a day job. It's true. I know it's true. Even more than that, Twitter is known for the spread of crime videos and yeah. photos exploiting victims for views. Yeah, Twitter has been lax, if not lazy, when it comes to pulling inappropriate content. But interestingly enough, they are super quick to cancel someone, mm-hmm. but not quick to pull content that promotes like self harm or suicide or crime to others like yeah. I, why what i know why are why do we let our kids on this right well hopefully we're not i really hope <laughs> twitter really does no value and i there are some teens i know that has twitter um i know they don't spend a lot of their time there it certainly isn't one of the most popular ones for teens but even as an adult i think that this is not healthy no and at all no. to see and just the fact that we often talk about, you know, do I want to give my time, energy, money? I mean, obviously, we're not giving money to Twitter, but investing some of my energy into a company right. who is doing, you know, such sort of vile business practices, if you will, yeah, by allowing this. Um, so when it really comes to thinking biblically about Twitter, I think that answer is really easy, right? Any company or organization, they, 
hates Christians so much. I mean, they really do. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's I, really I mean, true. I don't think that that, I mean, that is my subjective opinion, I will say, but I think that that has a lot of uh, a foundation behind that. Um, they really despise God and they intentionally push anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-morality worldview. Yeah. Um, that really yeah. should not have a place in our life. I know that there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of big um, Christian apologists and theologians and these different people, pastors on Twitter, because they feel sort of called to be in that space, to still have that voice. Right? We don't want to be silenced completely on this pla- in this place. But I don't think for the average Christian that this is a, a healthy place, especially for teens. Yeah. So yeah, not it, everyone's called to be on there. Right. To- Speak, not everybody's sanctified enough to be right. I'm not. No, absolutely not. I am definitely not, y'all. I would have gotten banned a long time ago. I, you know, <laughs> I, I started when we started break parenting. I created accounts for, or my husband created accounts, I should say, for every platform out there, just so we could sort of get the handle while it was available, the brave parenting handle. Right. And right. Uh, at first, I, I remember, oh, I'll post a couple things to, to Twitter and see what happens, and. And I was getting, when I did that, I would get these Twitter requests for uh, cam girls. Like, yeah, hey, I remember jump, that. You remember this? Mm-hmm. Hey, jump yeah. on and, and see me, you know, dance naked or whatever. I'm like, what? What is this garbage? I have a parenting yep. account. Why are you <laughs> sending this, you know? Um, yeah. So, but, and the other half of this is the mental health issue. Is this oh self harm? Yes. You know, yes. and we are we are currently researching um, a mental health episode, so you can kind of stay tuned for that. But I mean, self harm is a manifestation of the depression, feelings of worthlessness, um, seeking control, coping, numbing, all of these mm-hmm. things that we know for a fact that Western American teens are suffering from in droves. Yeah, it, I mean, we were looking at the crisis in 2017, but we're mm-hmm. like, it's it's a whole nother snowball in the avalanche. You, you, it like really now, is. And, yeah. I think it's probably more normal to be suffering from this, and you're actually yeah. abnormal if you're not in, yep. depressed and having yep. a mental health crisis. Um, yep, which is a complete, yep. you know, 180 from where we used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we think of this mental health in the context of our worldview, the very fact that self-harmers out there feel that they need to post about it on Twitter, it just makes me wonder what's the motive? Why? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I understand that you're, you're hurting, but what's the motive to post about it? That it's, uh, it always makes me wonder why people post certain things, whether you're posting your lunch of what you ate today or you're posting your self-harm. Right? Is it because misery loves company? Is it because they want attention? Is it a cry for help? Is it for likes and retweets? Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I believe that while it's really awkward and almost seems counterintuitive, I feel like parents really do need to discuss what self-harm is before a child turns, say, 12, maybe. Maybe even younger, depending on the city that you live in or the environment or the culture that you're sort of in in your microculture. Mm-hmm. If we don't teach our children the context of what self-harm is and how to view it as ultimately a, a violation of the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Our physical bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're abusing ourselves, mm-hmm. that's ultimately, you know, a violation against God. 
Um, if we don't mm-hmm. talk about this with our children and give them the context for how to process this, the world will. Their peers will. Yeah. Even if they, you yeah. don't allow social media, the other kids who have social media will show them. They will see this type of content. They will hear about it. And they may yep. or may not come to you and talk about it because it's weird. It's awkward. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you don't want that to be mm-hmm. painted in a positive light. That self-harm is, an, uh, is a viable option if you're suffering. Mm-hmm. So, and then ultimately, you know, let's be honest, it's all over Twitter. It's, it's, it's on social media and other places too, but Twitter for sure. And even though it violates Twitter's community guidelines, they aren't removing the content, which speaks to the yeah. bigger, the bigger problem that we're always sort of screaming at is why? Well, Twitter has financial motivation. Whatever yeah. is getting yep. traction is what they like and what they keep. And it doesn't matter if it's good for society, if it's good for children. If we've said it once, mm-hmm. we've said it a hundred times. These companies do not mm-hmm. care about children. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So what can we do today? We can check our kids' phones and delete our Twitter accounts. Yeah. So far, so good. <laughs> we are on a roll today for Worldview Wednesday. That's right. All right. <laughs> all right. Third headline. This one, this one broke my heart, but they seem to all break my heart. But anyways, Gen Z millennials speak out on deciding not to have children. Um, this came from the Associated Press on Tuesday, August 30th. Um, at 24, Elle Johnson has made up her mind that she won't bear children, though she, though she and her girlfriend haven't ruled out adoption. The graduate student who works in legal services in Austin, Texas, has a list of reasons for not wanting to give birth, the climate crisis and genetic health conditions among them. Quote, I don't think it's responsible to bring children into this world, Johnson said. There are already kids who need homes. I don't know what kind of world I don't know what kind of world it's going to be in 20, 30, or 40 years, end quote. Other women interviewed also cited climate change along with overwhelming student debt coupled with inflation as reasons that they'll never be parents. Some younger men, too, are opting out and seeking vasectomies. The U.S. birth rate fell 4% in 2020, the largest single-year decrease in nearly 50 years, according to a government report. The government noted a 1% uptake uptick in U.S. births last year, but the number of babies born was still lower than before the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Further down, it says uh, in New York, a 23-year-old Emily Shapiro, a copywriter for a pharmaceutical ad agency, earns $60,000 a year, lives at home, and she saves money and never has wanted children. Quote, they're sticky. I could never imagine picking up a kid that's covered in ice cream. I'm a bit of of a germaphobe. And I don't want to change a diaper. If I did have one, I wouldn't want them until they're like in sixth grade. So I also think the physical earth isn't doing so great and it would be unfair, end quote, she said. Another woman, Alice Alyssa Peterson or Pearson, excuse me, 31, was raised in a small town, South Dakota. She got married um, and she wanted to have children because she thought it was ingrained in the culture that she was raised in. But it wasn't until after her divorce from her high school sweetheart that she took a step back and she asked herself what she actually wanted out of life. And this is what she has to say, quote, most women where I'm from lose their identities in motherhood, end quote, said Pearson, who now lives in St. Louis and earns about $47,000 a year as a university librarian. Quote, having children sounds like a trap to me, to be frank, she said, financially, socially, emotionally, physically. And if there was ever a shadow of doubt, the fact that I cannot comfortably support myself on my salary is enough to scare me away from the idea, 
entirely, end quote. Mm. So this article might not have been like on your child's radar, but the idea certainly is. This idea of not having kids is very popular among Gen Z and below, especially after the Dobbs decision. And holding off having kids or not having them at all is generating more and more traction among our young people, even actually people my age, I would say. So the question we have to ask ourselves is- How old are you? (laughs) I'm I'm 29 plus six. Um, (laughs) But honestly, we really have to ask our kids these quite like questions about this because the idea is so easy to, uh, to, to be like, oh yeah, that sounds logical. Like, right. Like, yeah, but we, you know, we just came through the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? Like. It's so pervasive now because I mean, just yes. in general, the col- people are getting married later. They're going to college, then they're getting a job, then they're pursuing yes. marriage. So already there's like a delay, even if you were to think about having children, there is, it's happening so much later. So these are going to be just absorbed naturally because of all their friends around them are yep. going to have the same similar um, sort of yep. worldview, if you will, on mm-hmm. marriage and family. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to go back to what we said earlier. The statistics for the world and the church are, in some cases, almost equal. So we really have to make sure we're talking to our kids. Christian parents are talking to the kids that they're raising in Christian households about this. And one of the first questions we really have to ask them is, well, what does God think about this? Because his opinion should always inform our opinion. Mm -hmm. And to me, as a parent, that's the best way I know how to scatter seeds is to make sure that our kids know what God has to say on a topic and don't we don't just assume that we know what he prioritizes. Um, so for this instance, you could ask your kid, what does God say about reproduction? What does he say about having kids? We can ask these questions because we desire his Im- opinion to inform ours. Um, we also kind of need to be able to connect with our kids about the fears. These are pervasive fears in the culture. Um, and sure, there are some things that we can kind of maybe not agree on, but we can say, yeah, I can understand why you would be so scared, especially after everything we went through with the pandemic. Or yeah, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I could understand, you know, the hesitancy for kids because, hey, the climate is kind of changing, but you know what? Not even all scientists are 100% in agreement on why this is happening. So, uh, but people have always had kids. They had kids through World War II. They had kids through the Black Plague, the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just humanity living out life in a fallen world. Like there is literally nothing that went untouched by the fall. But we have this amazing blessing in being able to reproduce and being able to have children. And if we look at Genesis 1.28, it's not only a blessing, it's actually an imperative. It's a command. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So there is a blessing in having children. Um, And we really have to emphasize this because the world is so cynical about the next generation. There is a cynicism in this pervasive idea of not having kids, and that's cynicism. Like, no, these kids don't deserve to live. They shouldn't be here. Um, I'm I'm actually a good person if I decide not to reproduce because yeah. I'm protecting those who would be born. Um, and there's a is a it's a it's a weird dichotomy of pride and um, self righteousness. If I'm completely honest, I think so. But um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
there's just the, the generations and the offsprings of image bearers delight him. We have to remember that every single mm-hmm. person that is created is a delight to him. And from what I understand, this command has not expired. So generations will continue to delight him no matter what the conditions of the earth are, because he knows each and every one of us intimately. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. Um, that's how it's described in the Bible. And those first three or four weeks when a woman doesn't know that she's pregnant, God knows. God knows because he did it. That's mm-hmm. his work. That's his handiwork in there. It's beautiful. He knows us in that secret, sacred place. Yes, reproduction is God's blessing to his creation, and we are called to participate in it either biologically or through adoption. But also, God says that it is a blessing to man who has many children. I mean, you could look at Psalm 127, 128, 139, Proverbs 7, 17, 6, Matthew 19, 14. I mean, the, the Bible is replete mm-hmm. with the blessing of children, and we can't we can't escape that. I cannot bring a meaning to the text and say, God doesn't want me to have children and somehow kind of infer from the text that that's what God wants me to believe. No, no, no. We come to the text. that's kind of like a blank canvas saying, God, inform me of what you want me to do. That's right. This is, this is good for me because you've created it. You've deemed it good and a blessing. Um, Kelly, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I have Psalm 127 tattooed on my arm. <laughs> yeah. So. So you're already there. So, um, uh, yes, I, I mean, as, as we all know, if you've listened to this podcast, I don't have any biological children. Um, that was not what the Lord had for me, but I have seven adopted. And, uh, you know, Psalm 127 says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blesses the man who has a quiver full of them. And so, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. This is an imperative. And I think also this, the climate thing gets to me. <laughs> I know it does me too. And I, I try to be gracious when I talk about it. I do, but I get you. Yeah. So I just recently read um, in Psalms, I know a big surprise, right? Cause that's where I'm at in, <laughs> in my schooling. <laughs> uh, Psalm 50 says the mighty one, God, the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. He speaks and the earth responds. He mm-hmm. created everything by his spoken word. We go back to Genesis 1. And mm-hmm. this is this climate change. Yeah, I mean, it might be real. But it's also mm-hmm. under God's sovereign control. Mm-hmm. And it is yep. not anything to fear. I think yep. that that is a discussion that we need to be having. This isn't a you know, climate headline, but I believe this is a, a discussion that we need to be having with our kids is what is going on with the climate? Is this something that we need to fear? This is definitely something God's word speaks to a lot is his sovereign mm-hmm. control over the earth, over nations, over nations yeah. that rise and fall. And we think that it's the leaders and it's us that are controlling it. And it's no, the Lord no. is sovereign over all of this. He is ultimately the one who causes mm-hmm. and leads it all. So mm-hmm. I think this is just a really important point to focus on with our kids is this is not something to fear absolutely hurricanes yeah it's fear wildfires yeah. uh you know yeah rising temperatures mm-hmm. whatever that is there is definitely nothing to fear in this especially not so much fear that we would say oh we should not have children now there's a lot of other absolutely. selfish reasons that are happening and so why people are saying i don't want a family um, and let's just be honest a lot of people are even saying i don't want to get married 
Yeah. Or they're treating marriage as, you know, maybe we'll try this for a few years. If it ends, then, you know, no big deal. Um, so there's a lot of things that <laughs> within this article that we can definitely be having our conversations with. But we know that climate change is very pervasive and it's being pushed in public schools. It's being pushed in all sorts of different areas. I mean, just my mm -hmm. summer trip to SeaWorld, which I love SeaWorld, had an agenda an environment and agenda before you could ride any ride or see any show with any animals. Yeah. Um, it, so it's, it's everywhere. It's, it right. really is. And so I think that that immediately that's where um, I go to is just, these are good places for conversations, you know, just kind of tuck that oh, in your absolutely. back pocket. And when they come up, ask questions. What do you think about that? Does the, you know, climate mm -hmm. change, have you heard of that? You know, does that scare mm -hmm. you? What do you think about that? Um, actually, I remember when Chelsea and I was visiting you in May, we, mm -hmm. me, you and I, and one of your 13 year old daughters had a conversation about climate mm -hmm. and I was like, so impressed. Mm -hmm. She asked lots of good questions and we had a good conversation about <laughs> climate change. So you're wondering what goes on in the insides of <laughs> our relationship. <laughs> we have conversations about climate change with yeah. each other's kids. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. That's normal, right? Uh, it should be. It should be. It yeah. really should be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the fourth and last headline we have for today. And this is from The Verge, although you could have found it on numerous different news sites. And it reads, Instagram removes Pornhub's account as pressure from campaigners grows. So this article says how Instagram has suspended Pornhub's widely followed account on the social media platform. Before the sex site's account was removed from Instagram, Pornhub had 13.1 million followers. Wow. 13 million, point one, 13.1 million followers and had more than 6,200 wow. posts. Now, representatives from Meta, which is Instagram's parent company, did not respond for comment, of course. Um, but what's interesting is, so this move comes one month after Visa and MasterCard had cut off privileges for the payment um, of, of Traffic Junkie, an advertising arm of Pornhub, parent company mm -hmm. MindGeek. So Pornhub is owned by MindGeek. And so this has been kind of rolling on for about a year, I think, that Visa and MasterCard has been kind of having some of these arguments on whether or not they're going to support Pornhub. Yeah. On its yep. Instagram account, Pornhub shared non-pornographic videos and images. I'm just going to tell you, when I go and I speak at different places, I have screenshots yep. and I black out some of the content. But let me tell you, you may not call this, you, or they may call this non-pornographic, but I have to black it out. I can't keep this on there <laughs> to show in public spaces. I would call it pornographic still. It's not completely nude, but it is very explicit. Okay, um, it, the article goes on to say, however, it had directly promoted pornography and features videos like Next Career Goal, encouraging people to become pornography performers. Yep, yep. So the NCOSE, which I'm a huge fan of, the, um, they are National Center, sorry, National Center on Sexual Exploitation. They have been, been mm -hmm. among groups I'm advocating and lobbying for Instagram to remove Pornhub. Um, Pornhub also has a Twitter account, which, by the way, has 3.4 million 
compared to the 13.1. So Instagram was definitely more popular. Um, that remains active. And they also have a YouTube channel, which has 882,000 subscribers, where it, oh where it shares, quote, safe for work video account, video content, sorry. Wow. Okay, so that's what the article reads. And so this is, I actually shared it on uh, Brave Parenting Facebook, because this is, I mean, in a way, I want to say, like, this is a victory. <laughs> because right. the NCOSE has been saying, it has been calling out places like Instagram and Twitter for allowing this sort of content to be in a place where we know that kids are and right. the exploitation that goes on inside pornography. So in a way, I want to say this is kind of a victory. Um, but at the same time, I have to think that this could be really short-lived and it could be fueled by some sort of inside deal to generate headlines mm -hmm. for both companies mm -hmm. because we know that this happens. We know yep. that media managers um, or publicity managers do this sort of stuff just to get names out in the headlines. Yep. So you really, you can't trust it. But let me explain mm -hmm. why specifically as parents, this is good news. So if you as a parent have put up screen time or some sort of parental controls on your child's phone and you've blocked explicit content because you don't want pornography getting through. So you've blocked explicit content, but you do allow Instagram. Well, if your child has Instagram, they could simply just go to Pornhub's Instagram account and a link right there will be found to the Pornhub website that they can click on and go right there to the Pornhub actual website through the Pornhub account on Instagram. Now, if you as the parent are viewing like, oh, what kind of content is my children viewing on their phone? It's only going to show Instagram. It's not yep. going to show what they went to inside of Instagram. They're not, you're not going to see that they went to Pornhub. So you may never know. It is an mm -hmm. easy backdoor access point that almost every kid knows about and uses. And they know that parents know it. But the thing is, is you can't find it. You can't track it. And so this has just yep. been the common place for how kids get through these back doors. Get, because if you don't allow the internet on your kid's phone because you don't want that sort of content, but you allow Instagram, it doesn't matter. You've, you've they're almost allowed the entire internet uh, through these Instagram accounts. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. now that Instagram has blocked Pornhub's accounts, um, this, this sort of feature is no longer possible, right? And so that's great, right? I think of it immediately. I go to the scripture of 1 Peter 5.8. Yep. Do not be deceived. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Mm. This mm. is true mm. everywhere on the internet today. The enemy mm. desperately wants to steal, kill, and destroy the innocence and the morality of children. And we should never be deceived enough to think that we don't need to talk about pornography with our kids, that we don't Amen. need to talk about these type of topics. Because it is mm -hmm. everywhere and they will find it. Remember, mm -hmm. this, this fool that we spoke about in Psalm, what was it, 53? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, Psalm 53, um, who says there's no God. That fool is not only an adult, but there are plenty of children. There are plenty of children yeah. who are not being raised in Christian homes, who are not, they don't have any sense of morality. They don't have any sense of a boundary of what's good and what's bad. If it sounds enticing, they're just going to go there and then they're going to share it with their peers. They're going to share it with mm -hmm. kids in school. This is just what happens. Mm -hmm. We know this. So therefore, we need to be having, absolutely be mm -hmm. having these conversations with our kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. I just to 
kind of piggyback on what you just said, kids sharing. I think the um the the not the statistic the age dropped for when kids are first exposed to pornography. Um, it dropped to I think right now nationally it's eleven. Um, but there are some kids who see it at seven. But one of the most uh, pervasive ways for kids to be shown pornography is but on another kid's phone. Yeah, it happens on the school bus. Mm-hmm. Like oh look at this. And then, you know, they flip their screen around Absolutely. and they show the little, yep. little kindergartners on the boat, the bus, what's, um, what's happening. So yeah, iPhones or phones in general and kids access to phones has, um, really kind of done a number on, um, exposure rates. Right. But I agree, Kelly. I mean, this is a victory. It's a small victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. I, but again, I think I'm kind of like, you am a little cynical when it comes to social media. So I'm not sure if this like, the deletion of the account is like kind of like a slap on the hand and then IG is going to, or Instagram is going to let them like come back to the watering hole, you know, as long as they promise not to like promote themselves too explicitly or something. I I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of think the removal is out of self-interest and self-preservation for the company. Um, I, because I had just read about this too and fight the new drug um, had an article on, on this specifically. And this is what I thought was, really awful, but it, listen to this. This is from Fight the New Drug on this um, issue. Instagram was right to remove Pornhub from its platform for violating its community standards given the increasing reports of Pornhub hosting child sexual abuse material, sex trafficking, filmed rape, and non-consensual videos and images. Mm. Instagram served as a distribution partner with its criminal with this criminal enterprise, helping to push millions to their website, including children. But that, I mean, that that's from Fight the New Drug. I mean, oh. I, it's for, for whatever length of time, temporarily, it is absolutely a victory that kids cannot access Pornhub through Instagram. Um, I hope one day that we can completely dismantle Pornhub and it'll be a victory for those who are held against their wills mm. to this business of death. Yeah, death. Um, yeah. death. That's exactly I, what it is, yeah. I, I... I don't know. You know, I, I think we've mentioned it, you know, we're writing or we're doing a podcast on pornography and I'm just, I don't, it's, it's awful. It. <laughs> it's, it's so I, disgusted. I don't even think there's an adjective. There's, there's no word. It's something beyond disgusted. I don't even know. I mean, mm-hmm. word come back, please. And I, that's yeah. all I can say, honestly, yeah. when you get into the the ugliness of it all. Um, since you yeah. brought up fight the new drug, uh, this is a good time. And we're going to probably mention it again. If we do, when, when we do this, uh, podcast on pornography fight the new drug is it's not a religious based organization but they have just amazing um facts and work that they're doing in in advocating uh against pornography and how it kills love and it hurts people it hurts the world and really how it needs to be you know completely dismantled fight the new drug has a series of videos called brain heart world they're each about 30 yeah. minutes. I have watched them through with all of my children uh, twice. We've gone through it. And just so they, they can see, this is what the pornography industry is doing. This is why pornography hurts your brain. And this is how it hurts your brain. This is how it kills yeah. love. And this is how it hurts the entire world. Um, yeah. it's, it's a great way. You might want to watch it first before you show your kids. Make sure they're the right age to understand that. But it is a great way to be like, you know what? We're going to watch this. We're going to discuss it. If you don't have the words to say and you don't know how to approach the topic, let the experts yeah. do it. These are great videos. And um, like I said, that's yeah. not applying scripture. I think that it's important to apply scripture. 
to that as well. But as a parent, I found it extremely beneficial to open the door to these conversations with, mm-hmm. with those videos. Yeah, especially if your kids aren't walking with the Lord yet. You know, there is so much natural evidence through statistics and research um, on the brain specifically that says this is absolutely detrimental and awful, right? There is enough natural evidence. We don't even have to go to special revelation. I mean, we should, obviously. But if your kids are not walking with the Lord, you almost don't even have to bring up scripture because the evidence is overwhelming against pornography. Um, and honestly, you could even bring it back to the world is just echoing what God has already said is good. God's already drawn this line in the sand and has deemed what is good for sex and what is moral and what is right. And the world's just catching up to him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was first, he's always been here. He, he knows, he knows it all. He knows what's good. And the world is just catching up to him right now. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent points. Great headlines. So I, uh, as we prepare to wrap up here, I really hope that these are helping you listeners out there and just thinking about some of these headlines and conversations to be had. You're probably, you, maybe you leave these podcasts and you think, oh, there's so many things I need to talk about with my children. And, you know, in a way you're right. Like, let's go to, back to Deuteronomy. And it says, when you walk along the road, when you wake up, when you go to bed, you know, when you're eating dinner, like every one of these moments, we should be having just basic conversations, like incorporate all Mm -hmm. of these little nuanced subjects that are going on in our world Mm -hmm. in conversations. Mm -hmm. And it really should be a natural, easy thing once you get it rolling. If if you're only having superficial conversations about, you know, the weather or what clothes, Mm -hmm. you know, you're wearing for the Mm -hmm. day, yeah, it's time to Mm -hmm. get a little bit deeper and it may feel a little bit unnatural at first, but these, these should be things that we can talk about and should be talking about Mm -hmm. if we want to raise our kids to have a solid worldview that is not going to be shaken when they leave our homes. Or even if it is a little Mm -hmm. bit shaken, they can return back to that foundation that, that they were raised on. And that's, that's what's important. And even us as adults, it's a a lot of us don't even have our own solid worldview. So I hope Mm -hmm. and pray that this informs your worldview and helps you establish that solid foundation on scripture Mm -hmm. and its sufficiency for everything that's happening in the world and culture. Awesome. Thank you, Chelsea. It's mm-hmm. been a great Absolutely. time this morning. All right. session in our garage band. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in. Any questions, anything that you have to say, email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. Make sure you subscribe, share with your friends. Until next time, go and be brave. We'll see y'all later. Bye.